AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. John Markley this week brought us a story about, I guess it's kind of a film documentary. All right, so uh, this week we have uh, John Markley on via remote. Thanks for joining us, John. You were looking at a story this week related to the cybersecurity road trip. And could you tell me a little bit more about that? Certainly. University of Maryland, uh, University College, uh, looks like they're doing a, a series of programs, or at least, at least one, uh, that they're calling Road Trip Nation. And one of their segments, or at least the, the primary segment here, is, is one that they call the Cybersecurity Road Trip. They took three people who were kind of neophytes to the cybersecurity world and then put them all in a van and then they go across the country and they stop at a bunch of different places along the way talking to some pretty notable people in the realm of cybersecurity. It can be a little long, so you need to devote some time to it. But uh, it, it's a good you know, uh, introduction to, to some, of the, some of the topics in cybersecurity, uh, as well as some of the people that you might have seen either in a uh, conference or a paper and, you know, and, and just really some of their experiences. It's an experiential discussion. It's not a technical discussion. It's sort of a, an interest piece more than a technical discussion, but just to see how some of these folks on this list actually responded to some of these questions that were asked of them. So Right, when it's coming from maybe people who are not technically already up right. to speed on cybersecurity, so you're kind of getting yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe a, a novice or neophyte's perspective. What I would say is how come we haven't come up with this idea to go out on a road trip That's right. across the right. United States, right? Like well, I'll get in a bus and let's go. Let's I hit the road. <laughs> Matt Kaiser would be first on that bus to, to do this, right? <laughs> the funny thing is, is one, one of the people that they interviewed, Mike Eccles, is a friend of mine. So that's kind of how I got introduced to this segment. So I, I wish they had actually advertised this more, you know, in a couple of the fields. So that's how I heard about it because, you know, through Mike. But, it, you know, it, it is something I think that people who are even interested in joining you know, the ranks of a professional should look at something like this just to say, you know, what, what, you know, what does it involve? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if, you know, for people who are even just kind of getting interested in cybersecurity, I think we covered some stories recently within the past month or two on ThreatTrack about the demand for cybersecurity professionals uh, now and into the future. There is basically a shortage of supply. Mm -hmm. We need more people. So um, this might be, if you're interested in cybersecurity, this program might be another good thing to check out to kind of help uh, jumpstart your interest even more. I think the value of this video really was for folks who perhaps are thinking about, you know, starting in the cybersecurity field to get some views on some of the people that they may end up working for and some of the companies that they may end up working for, just to see what you know, those particular companies' views are about cybersecurity. You know, what are their thoughts? How do, they, how do they run their programs? All right, so I guess you were looking at a story, Manny, with respect to SAP uh, and their point of sale product and the yep. vulnerability. Yep. What's that so, one about? So this one, uh, popped up on the radar, um, and it's basically talking about some flaws that uh, this research group, uh, ERP Scan, they basically discovered in, the, in this SAP, their POS products. 
um, specifically in their um, their system server component, the Express server. Express server, okay. right? So, um, which you know, as I was reading through this, shouldn't be a big, huge surprise to me, but it was that that. SAP actually um, handles 80% of the Forbes uh, Global 2000 retailers. Hmm. It, you know, enabled them to pull back credit card um, information. It allowed them to change prices for things that were being charged on the POS device. So, you know, obviously a very critical flaw that was found by this research group. They had some lack of uh, authorization checks, which in essence allowed an attacker um, who got access to either the device itself or the network that the devices were sitting on to actually inject, bypassing authorization, inject a configuration file that they would actually push out to this express server, mm -hmm. which this express server handles all of the configura configuration that it pushes out to all the actual end POS devices. Ah. So they're using that flaw to basically be able to inject whatever they want to right. into these so, devices. Yeah, I'm assuming they can inject some kind of malware or something exactly. into that config file. It's a config file, right, which then ultimately gives them access to both the, the front end and the back end of these devices. The thing that really makes this alarming is clearly anything that is taking in credit card information that has a flaw in it, it immediately rises very high on the criticality scale, right? You could actually have an attack where you have somebody that walks in the store um, and they can even, even do this time-based. So they, if they know they're gonna be walking into that store at let's say noon, mm -hmm. they can make sure that that price that they set is available for them from noon to 12.15. Right, right. They walk in the store, make the purchase, and at 12.15, all the prices go back, no one's the wiser. Which, by the way, the hack can happen uh, by using like a very simple Raspberry Pi that you can walk into a store, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can get access to the network that these POS devices are sitting on, and we all know, we've talked about it a thousand times on this show, about how easy it is to get onto that internal network, especially the one example they showed is like a, a supermarket. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the the uh, the weighing devices, like in the produce section, mm -hmm. are actually connected right, up right. to this same network that the right, POS they devices. Because they need to be able to. Well, you, you, yeah. think, you think about you go to a store and you see the little price check machines. You know, there's probably a USB right, right. cord in those things. Yeah, and all you gotta just pull pull the Ethernet cord in there. Put, put, you know, push in your your uh, Raspberry Pi that has this code. And that's all you got to do. I mean, you literally, it, it takes a couple of seconds and they pull it off, plug it back in and they walk away um, and their code's already been injected. Now, they were talking about whether or not, you know, this is remotely accessible and that really will come down to whether or not, where is your POS, you know, network hooked up to. Yeah, your SAP server. Right, exactly. Right. So if you've got it internet facing, you're pretty much at the worst end of this thing. Um, if you've got it locked down, then you have to worry about you know, where is it exposed internally within your retail stores? Right, right. SAP has addressed it, so that's good. You know, we never like to see people discover vulnerabilities then just put them out into the open public without a vendor getting a chance to address it. There has been a lot of point of sale cases I've worked over the past year and a half and more so recently. So um, it feels to me like there's this trend of more point of sale type compromises going on. So this is an important one, in my opinion, to, 
to pay attention to. And even though vendors uh, release patches for these types of flaws, not everybody patches them. We see that all the time. So not timely. <laughs> yeah, not in as quick because right. the hackers are way ahead of the people that are going to patch it usually. Yeah. If you don't want all your credit card data lost, patch your systems. I would imagine that the the, the bigger retail stores have a more frequent patch cycle with these, um, but you know some of your so smaller stores might might not. Yeah, you know. And it's amazing how much of this is out there, especially like you said, in big places and even smaller, you know, small little retail stores that might only have one or two uh, register point of sale systems. Right. You know, not that they necessarily have SAP Express server, but they probably have some kind of server on the back end that's receiving and handling all of the for inventory tracking and whatnot. So, all right, thanks for bringing this one. Yep. So hey John, uh, looks like uh, this week we have one of your uh, fun-filled quizzes to go through. I, I like to stump you guys, but th this one's probably not as much a stumper as a more of an educational piece. <laughs> I guess one of the things you know, as, as we you know work in this field, and certainly was a, a big part of my life at one time, was knowing uh, when products were end of life, and you know we define end of life a lot of times by when's the last time they get a security patch. So I, I took I took four common operating systems, and I wanted to see if you guys could could guess <laughs> in some ways or maybe know uh, <laughs> if these are currently supported or if they are you know supposed to be out of your environment. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. This this will be interesting. Huh. The first one we'll start with is is of course you know we're gonna start with Microsoft. It's always that one's kind of always a challenge. Uh, Microsoft Windows 8.1. What do y'all think? Is that supported or not supported? 8.1, I would think, I would think that's still supported. Yeah, I mean, I, I, up, in, up until like not too long ago, did they stop support for XP, right? I mean, that was only about, what, a year, maybe a year and a half ago that they stopped support for XP? Yeah, so I'm I have to remember to that. There was something funky though, right? With Windows 8 and the 8.1 business. I can't remember what it was. Well, like they I, did leave some it to, kind leave of leave it to Mark Lee to yeah, try to stump us on this one. But some yeah. weird little <laughs> sticky widget that we forgot no, about. You, you guys are on the you guys are on the right path. You, you, you guys are right. Eight, eight, eight is still supported, and it's going to be supported for mainstream support until actually until next year, in January. But then um, and then a couple more years if you have extended support. So we'll still see security patches for the next couple of years. Great, that one. The next one's a little tricky. And it's, we're going into the, in the mobile world, and that's Android 4.4, which is also a lot of times you'll see it as a, a, API uh, 19. So is is that one considered supported or not? Android 4.4. Right, I need a hint. Does it have a fruit name? Is there a fruit name that you can give me as a hint? It, it, it's a candy, which is Kit Kat. It's Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Okay. So that might give me a little bit of a hint because it's alphabetic or something, right? The way they, I'm really an Android novice. <laughs> and, and we're all the way up to N right now and O's coming out pretty soon. Okay, I'm gonna say that is not supported anymore. I feel like the mobile world moves faster in terms of yeah, but getting rid of support for older OS's. It's a, this is a tricky one. I'll have to tell you right now, it's a little tricky. And, and that is that 4.4 which is 441, 442, and 443 of, of that, you know, that, that uh, API is not supported. So the answer is right. However, 444 
which is the most current version of KitKat, is still supported and probably will be supported up until about another month or two of this year. Oh, okay. So Google's doing a good job of about three years. So when they introduce an operating system, they're going to continue patching it for three years. Excellent. So these are trick questions, basically. Right. It's a little tricky, yeah. <laughs> All right, so here's an easy one, because you actually already answered this one. Apple iOS 9.3.5. I'm going to say end of support, but I really don't know. I just feel like all these old versions of stuff need to go away. Based on, <laughs> based on, based on the way that Apple handles these, I'm going to tend to agree that this 9 would already be end of support. And, and, really, and that's really right. The way Apple works, is they kind of tie the operating system to the device. And so as soon as they tell you that, that means that that OS is no longer supported because it's, the device itself is no longer supported. So everything else should be able to upgrade to the most current version. So you're, you're, you guys are right. All right, cool. Here's a tricky one. And it's not necessarily tricky per se, but it's a challenge because when I talk to um, environments, there, there's so much of this around still. And so, so the question, you know, a lot of times you have to ask yourself is, is it still supported? And that is, Solaris 9. <laughs> that one really makes me laugh. So Solaris 9, that is ancient, right? I suspect that Oracle may actually still support it. I'm going to say if they know that there's a lot of this out there, there's a good possibility that this actually still may be supported. Well, there is a lot of it out there. There's actually a lot of Solaris 8 out there still in the, in the world. Um, but you're both wrong. Oh, we were working on the perfect score. No longer supported. And this one actually went into support in August, October, excuse me, of 2014. And it, it, it always challenges me to think, you know, even with some of the stuff that you can get, like a third-party extended support, they're still not going to necessarily give you a security patch if a new vulnerability like the Telnet worm or whatever is found. They may not give you a patch that works on that, on that OS because it is, uh, you know, not only older hardware, but also, you know, the older OS itself. So I, I actually have a, uh, a shrink-wrapped copy of Solaris 6 still. Nice. Yeah. Keep it. I'm definitely holding <laughs> on to that one. This is actually really important for people to think about. And I think that's really why John Markley brought this quiz up, is to give people kind of some awareness around, oh, gee, I never thought whether, you know, my old Solaris... 8 system that I've been running for the past 15 years, it just runs. I just, you know, it's fine. But when critical vulnerabilities come out, you're not going to be able to get patches for them anymore. And maybe that does or doesn't bother you, but it really should. The longer you stay on an unsupported product, the more vulnerable you become. All right, so uh, I guess we'll take a look at the internet weather for this week. Uh, probably there's not a whole lot new going on that we haven't already seen before, but I guess from the terms of the most pro ports, the things I would point out that we don't talk about necessarily all the time that I would probably pay attention to is the 445 TCP, which we did discuss, we've been discussing, because this has really come up quite a bit because of WannaCry and some of the other families of malware trying to leverage the new SMB exploit, uh, Eternal Blue, et cetera. We have a chart on that. But let's take a look at the most sources probing, because this is usually indicative of botnets doing things, because uh, you get a lot of uh, sources doing things in unison. And unsurprisingly, Telnet 23TCP, so I've been on the list for years now because yep. of the IoT stuff. Same thing with 22TCP, the number two spot of 445TCP. 
used to be Conficker, but now it's WannaCry and other families. This 5358 TCP we're gonna talk about. I have a slide on that. So let's take a look at uh, 23 TCP, and I've been pulling some really long charts, five years. I did this last time I was on the show, maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, just to get some perspective of it. This is almost entirely related to uh, IoT type devices, these embedded Linux devices. Port 23, the telnet traffic, we're seeing a lot of um, IoT devices that are still being compromised out there, so that's still a trend that we're going to continue to see. In 2014, things started getting busy, 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 and then in 2016, last year, in the summertime, and then in the late fall of uh, 2016, this is where all that uh, Mirai stuff really kicked in. Right. Uh, you can see it really went high. It's since calmed down a bit. Yep. Um, still not anywhere like it was back in 2013. So this is uh, the 445 TCP, and this is another five-year chart. And we kind of talked about this last time as well. Most of this stuff back here in the 2013, 2014 is a lot of decay from Conficker. Conficker was actually somewhere way back over here. But it's decayed over time as machines go away, people replace machines and blah, blah, blah. Um, we see less and less of them. We're actually kind of just getting right. things under control. And then the new exploit came out and there's actually kind of a family of exploits, Eternal Blue, Eternal Romance, Eternal Synergy. But in any event, uh, you can see that there was a pretty significant spike right here. And that's right around that May 12th timeframe of the initial outbreak. Yep. And then since then, it's really just kind of, it's gone all the way back up even higher than we are back here in 2013 just when we were getting things back under control again with 445 TCP. Now it went all back crazy again. So I guess yeah. we'll have to see how long this lasts. And then the last chart I have is this 5358 TCP. And I will admit, I took some time to look at this again today. And every time I've looked at this, the more confused I get. The one that kind of puzzles me is 5358 TCP we talked about. That's one that has kind of stopped and stuttered have a really good clear indication of why this is happening. It's more of a personal puzzle and hopefully for the viewers it's something that they might have noticed and they didn't kind of put the pieces together either of what it's really about. Basically there's no activity and then we went up to like 7,000 scan sources per hour on average and then we had this big sweeping thing in the early part of 2017. So compared to WannaCry, which is at, you know, like 35, 37,000, we're at upwards of 60 to 65,000 um, back here. So that's a lot of devices. And I don't know what they're doing. There looks like there might be a lot of IoT type things going on in here. Um, it also, it's definitely some sort of botnet going on because the scanning activity stops very abruptly. It goes to nothing and then it starts again. Um, and then boom, it stops again. Right. And now it started again. So that's why we're talking about it because of the, the big um, trend upward that we're seeing now, which is at around 25,000 scan sources per hour. When I've looked at some of this traffic or tried to figure out like, what are they actually getting? The majority of it is scanning and nobody's listening. There's very little amount of things actually listening on port 5358. And there are a few things I actually have found that answer, but when they answer, they answer very strangely. They dump a bunch of garbage at you. What needs to happen is I need to get a couple of days 
where I don't have anything else to do to actually research it a little bit more. If anybody knows John, um, he doesn't like things to be unknown. So I would stay tuned to find out uh, probably in a couple weeks when he's had some time to take a look at that. Like you said, you've got these areas where it actually drops off into nothing, but we're currently in a spot where you're actually going to see that you're going to see the scanning. So yep. it looks like it'll be around for a little bit, but more than likely you'll probably see at some point it drop off again. So it, Right, it could just drop back off again and then we'll be at yeah. a loss because right. unless you catch it when it's happening, uh, you're not going to have a really good chance of figuring out what they're up to here, what, yep. the, what the purpose is behind this scanning activity. Anyway, uh, so that's, that's the internet weather for this week. And I guess we'll keep it, specifically I'd like to keep an eye on this one and do some more research because the other ones we know the origins of them and why they're happening. This one I don't really know why it's happening so much. I don't know, hopefully someone will figure it out at some point if we don't figure it out first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll look forward to a future show where you explain what this yeah. mystery traffic we'll actually is. <laughs> That'll be my Labor Day weekend. Right. Let's figure that out. Hurricane Harvey has unfortunately um, affected quite a few people um, in the Texas and Louisiana areas. And as we've seen before with these types of events, unfortunately, um, there are some malicious folks who try to take advantage of, of situations like this. We know a lot of people are trying to help out in these situations. You just got to be very careful of who you're sending your money to. There are a lot of bad actors who try to capitalize on big news events like that. It's not only for scamming, trying to get money as a fake charity, but sometimes they'll just use phishing and lures of tactics. So they might, you might see an email that has a news story like, Look at what a, you know, a miraculous thing happened. This person rescued all these puppies or something right. in the hurricane. And there's like a video link there. Be very wary of that kind of thing because yep. um, it might not even be that they're trying to get you to, to uh, donate money. They might be just trying to lure you into clicking a link to read a story, um, which might um, lure you to a place that does some kind of drive-by uh, malware installation on your machine. So uh, the, the URLs a lot of times are fake. So, you know, they look look legitimate, but they're not. Right. So be very careful around this time. I would just be cautious of what you see um, that comes into your inbox related to Harvey stuff. And if you are interested in donating uh, to that cause, try to, you know, I would refer you to like the American Red Cross yeah. as a good starting point. But there's probably lots of other charities. I would seek them out on my own as opposed to going to look in my email for who's asking for help necessarily. So the important takeaway, when these types of events happen, really big news stories like that, we tend to see an uptick in you know, bad actors that take advantage of people's goodwill or their interest in helping people that you know, might be affected by that situation. When you look at the stories, we're, we're, we're constantly talking about things that cybersecurity affects. And we've seen today that it not only affects, let's say, the places where you shop, but also affects us uh, in, at personal levels. Cybersecurity awareness really touches all aspects of your life. You really need to be aware, not just when you're at work, but when you're at home, and you're engaged in kind of your daily life, sometimes you'll notice that you're being attacked from angles you're not expecting. So you do need to be aware of that and um, be mindful of it so that you don't get caught. But I don't want people to be too paranoid. <laughs>
The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.